This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 42. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. And this is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is the podcast designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. We believe healthy marriage should be a front-burner conversation, and so we are here to help that happen. Well, today we have in studio with us a friend of ours, Ken Schumann. Ken is a fellow Houstonian who has over 30 years of experience as a pastor and leader and teacher. He is an associate professor at the Houston Graduate School of Theology. He's also a life coach and has been a leader in the area of transformational leadership development and training, along with experience in family systems theory. That's a mouthful. That's a whole lot of stuff. He and his wife, Becky, have been married over 34 years. Did I get that Uh, right? This month will be 36. Oh, wow. Wow. Nice. And uh, have two adult daughters. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did we leave anything out? Because you were a very busy man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, that got the most of it, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. well, we are very thrilled to have you today, so we welcome you, Ken. Great Thank to have you. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So awesome. question, are you originally from Houston, or did you arrive late? Uh, I am from this part of the world. I grew up in Brazoria County, actually, mm-hmm. down a little place called Danbury, which is in between Angleton and Alvin, out yep. in the middle of a rice field. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So when did you move to the big city? Well, I went off to college and uh, took my first church in Shreveport, Louisiana, mm-hmm. actually, and didn't stay there long, came back to East Texas was there for just a couple of years, and then uh, moved back to the Spring Klein Tomball area in 1982. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we have been back here since 1982. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, we are so glad that you're with us today. And um, Brett and I have both benefited from sitting in a couple of workshops and retreats that you have led, and we always Definitely. walk away with just tremendous, you know, clarity around certain issues and ideas. And one of the things we wanted to talk about today was. Um, anxiety and um, as it relates to couples as it relates to married couples and sure. there's anxiety just seems to be vibrating all over the place the couples mm-hmm. that we interact with mm-hmm. they're just worried about their marriages their kids their jobs the world you know what the future is going to be like and um So, you know in the work that we do because we sit with couples all the time and do coaching one of the ways that anxiety kind of shows up is we'll hear from a spouse. Let's say we get a call or an email from a wife, Mm -hmm. and she is unhappy in her marriage, and she is convinced that it is because her husband will not behave a certain way, or maybe it's the husband, and he's convinced she's if she just would act different or if he would act different, their marriage would be, you know, um, healthy. So when you work with couples, how do you get that person to be in the right frame of mind to kind of work on the marriage, quit blaming the partner, take some mm-hmm. personal responsibility? I know that's mm-hmm. a big question to start with, but yeah, a softball question there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and uh, and and a real short answer to that one also. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you've you've laid out the key things though. Uh, I believe success in marriage is around success in life is around every individual taking responsibility for him or herself, mm-hmm. and. We live in a world that wants to blame everything and everybody, and we also live in a world where we want quick fix. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we get focused – in fact, we get so focused on what the other person is doing Mm -hmm. that we lose sight of what we're doing, Mm -hmm. and we don't own our responsibility in the issue. And in fact – uh, I'm convinced, and what most of the authors that I read uh, would tell us is, as long as we stay focused on out there and mm-hmm. the other person, mm-hmm. then we'll never get the situation resolved. Hmm. Right. Um, and ironically, so, you can't control what the other person does anyway, as you said, so you, you're, it's you really wasted effort. Exactly. Uh, the only person that you can change is you. Mm-hmm. Now, so I can't change my spouse, but I can influence my spouse. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And the way I influence my spouse is by me being different. 
and by me taking responsibility for my life and by me creating boundaries and managing my own anxiety and those sorts of things. And uh, and sometimes, to be honest, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple comes in, they're struggling. Uh, one of the individuals blames everything on the other one. Mm-hmm. And so one of the questions, and and we'll focus on one, uh, helping that person learn to uh, manage their life better and take responsibility for their life. But I always uh, will turn to the other person eventually and say, okay, now let's talk about your role in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I use is simply to ask the question, what is your role in keeping this problem in place? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And often I get instant reaction to that. I mm-hmm. get instant uh, pushback. Well, it's it's not my fault at That's all. Right. It's her fault or it's his fault. <laughs> and the reality is there is always a part that's my role. Mm-hmm. And no if, matter what. No matter what. That's right. And mm-hmm. if I can go deep within myself and determine, okay, what is my role in that, then it helps me to uh, to then influence the marriage in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes my role is I'm just being passive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I need to be more proactive. Mm-hmm. I need to engage, and I need to say something that I haven't been saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, one of the things that I see over and over, and I know it's true in my own life and marriage mm-hmm. as well, is I just don't say what's so all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and when I don't say what's so, when I don't when I when I don't say what's so for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, it's in it's in essence not telling my wife the truth. You're being dishonest, right? I'm being dishonest, mm-hmm. and as long as I'm being dishonest, then my marriage is going to be a less than marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think the key thing that we lose in that is we lose intimacy. Mm-hmm. And Ken, I know you do a lot of conversation about family systems and so forth. Correct. And a marriage is obviously a, a little mini system, but sure. But more than that, it's it's at least designed to be a covenant relationship. Now, not all couples are cognizant of that or conscious of that or operating in that form, but it, that's still the the spiritual design for any marriage. Right. And so when, you're, when a person is not being honest by at least bringing to the table their responsibility, even if the perceived majority of the issue is with the other person, then that's upsetting the apple cart as well, is that absolutely, absolutely? Uh, I believe that that marriage is involves equality. Mm-hmm. It, it involves two equals, so we're equally responsible. Mm-hmm. We're equally free, right? And we're also equally important. Mm-hmm. And so, if if I somehow if that equation gets out of play, uh, it also leads into over or under functioning. Mm-hmm. One person may over function out of their anxiety, mm-hmm. and the other one then gets to under function out of his or her anxiety. And so, one seems to be doing all the work in the marriage, while the other one gets to be lazy right, in the right. marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, for me to recognize, I'm the over functioner, mm-hmm. and and so I'm going to quit over functioning. Which, by the way, whenever I change the dance of the relationship, mm-hmm. anxiety increases. Mm-hmm. It gets worse before it gets better. Right. But the only way that I'm going to be able to influence my relationship is to change the dance. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean the way I react and respond to my spouse uh, and the way then she reacts and responds to me. And we definitely agree with what you said, that things get worse before they get better. Why do you speculate that it's the case? What What's... Why is there that kind of adjustment or correction where people kind of decline before they improve? Yeah, uh, great question, Brett. I, for me, uh, I, I like the metaphor of dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I behave a certain way, and it's my default behavior. Mm-hmm. And when I behave a certain way, it it my wife then responds or reacts to my behavior, mm-hmm. and that becomes our dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I do something, and she does something in reaction to that. And then I do something in reaction to her reaction. And then she does something in reaction to my reaction to her reaction. Mm-hmm. And on and on the dance right. goes, and it's our dance. Mm-hmm. And we get comfortable in the dance. Mm-hmm. And so then when I begin to grow and I begin to take responsibility for my own life and not blame her, then what I begin to do is I change the dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So rather than reacting in the same way that I always react when she does, 
does this, mm-hmm. I behave differently. It's almost like a muscle memory kind of thing. It, it is exactly like muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And so then what we have to do is I have to continue doing the new behavior long enough mm-hmm. to influence my spouse where she says, well, I guess he's going to be this way from now on. Yeah. Right. And so I'm going to get in step with him. And if it's a positive thing, then then we grow together that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's why I think there's a lag. Mm-hmm. There's always a lag because what we, what we really want is just to go back to the dance we're comfortable with mm-hmm. because that's what we know and what we're used to. So but, if you do the – oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, so if you change the dance step and you start a new dance routine um, – do you ever find that there are couples where the spouse just refuses to do the new dance? Like what happens when – or is it just a natural progression that eventually that spouse comes on board and follows suit? Well, I, I think that depends on the love and commitment mm-hmm. uh, of the marriage relationship. Yeah. I mean, if I – so if I love my spouse and I'm committed to the marriage, then it just seems logical that eventually I'm going to get in step. Mm-hmm. Okay, so – uh, maybe I, I didn't say what's so for me for a long time in marriage, and now I'm saying what's so for yeah, me. Right. right. Well, that seems. Oh my gosh! Suddenly, he's telling me what he what, what he really feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, that's better for the marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then intimacy can can really grow. But I, I firmly am convinced every person is an individual, and every person I said it a while ago is equally free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm equally free to say. I don't want to dance that dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then I think uh, boundary issues come in and, mm-hmm. and limits on what I'm going to do and not do or be exposed to or not be exposed to, consequences. Okay, mm-hmm. you're free to keep behaving in that way, mm-hmm. but if you do that, then this this is what I'm going to have to do to uh, keep boundaries for myself. And yeah. that's a completely different conversation, <laughs> but uh, but ultimately that person gets to decide. Yeah. Right. Uh, will I will I dance the new dance? Will I refuse to dance the new dance? Or am I am I so to a place that I'm just not committed to this anymore? Mm. And I think that's the fear that people yeah. have because we talked too about couples will will talk about trying something different, you know, reacting different or responding different. And I think that fear, that anxiety is that, well, what if my spouse doesn't love me enough to do the new dance? And that's a scary thing. It's absolutely a scary thing. There's no doubt about it. And I'm convinced that fear is the thing that keeps most marriages from being all that they ought to be Mm. and could be. And so out of our fear, we stay stuck. Yeah. And... I believe a good, healthy marriage takes enormous work. Mm-hmm. I know nobody likes to hear that. You're singing but it, our song, <laughs> but it but it takes work, yeah. uh, and it and part of that work is it takes courage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I have to muster up within myself that I'm willing to take the risk in order to have the marriage that I really dream of. Mm-hmm. Because I'm convinced those kinds of – the marriages that most people dream of are possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are very possible if I have the courage to face myself okay. and to face my my own fears mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and grow. So if I begin to do that and then I'm just going – I can't control my spouse. And by the way, if they don't love me that much – do I want to? Do I want to continue in a in a relationship for the rest of my life with them anyway? Right. And I'm I'm not advocating divorce. Right. I'm just right. saying that okay, if we're together and and there's something that drew us together, and there's something that keeps us together, mm-hmm. and so I think that we way overplay our fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that. If you ask the, spa, the the husband or the wife, both of them would say, "I want the marriage that I thought I was getting into right. yeah. when I married this." What person. I was dreaming of, right? When I was the young expectations and all that. Yeah. that they had going into. Yeah, I mean, they both have, and they still have those expectations, Absolutely. and they can have them with each other. Mm-hmm. It comes back to responsibility. Uh, my wife is not the problem in my marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm just as as responsible as she is. Mm-hmm. Takes two to tango, mm-hmm. and. And every system, if you just think systems, systems get 
what they're designed to get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so whatever we're doing in our marriage relationship, we're getting the results that our marriage relationship is designed to get right now. Mm -hmm. And so the only way it's going to get better is for us to change something in order for our, our the system to change, and then it has the potential and possibility to get better. Yeah, I want to go great. back to what you were talking about, having that courage, either as the person that's now changing the dance or the person that is faced with the decision, am I going to dance the new dance? Right. That doesn't mean there is an absence of fear, quite right. the opposite. That's exactly right. I mean, sure. To be courageous, you are you are fearful, but you are moving forward anyway. Is that close enough? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. So great clarification, Brett, because for me, uh, yeah, it, it isn't the absence of fear. It doesn't mean my anxiety is going to go away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be anxious, but can I live with my anxiety mm-hmm. and still do what I believe is the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and we all have different things that we're fearful of, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all afraid of losing love, losing acceptance, mm-hmm. losing uh, our relationship, or whatever. And and yet, the very things that will make it stronger are the things that we're afraid of, mm-hmm. right? Which is amazing, mm-hmm. and and yet it's true. <laughs> and so, what we do is then we get satisfied with a less than marriage, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because at least we know this, mm-hmm. right? Right. Now I don't like it. I'm bored in it, or right. or I'm frustrated in it, or uh, it, it it's just not meaningful enough. And yet, but this is what I know. I'm settling yeah. for this. Yeah, and right. so we settle for less than mm-hmm. uh, when the reality is, uh, if we really would work at it and have the courage, not to change our spouse, but to change us, mm-hmm. then. The marriage can increase and and can be awesome, and the depth of our intimacy mm-hmm. will get so much deeper. Mm-hmm. And and that's the deal. If mm-hmm. if I'm not telling my wife the truth, it's robbing us of intimacy. Right. If she isn't telling me the truth, it's robbing us of intimacy. So then all our conversations get to be these real low level conversations exactly. about how are the kids doing, how's my job doing, mm-hmm. do you want pork chops for supper? Kind A of relationship thing. you could. Phone in exactly. Yeah. yeah, you you can text it in. Right. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. Uh, but but real intimacy gets uh, gets us to the place when we start talking about the big things. Mm-hmm. Well, you're creating the picture that this whole podcast is about. That exactly. That's the high level marriage experience that we want to introduce that paradigm to to a lot of couples that maybe. Because they have settled for so long, they don't even believe that that kind of relationship is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting when we talk with couples and we start talking about, um, you know, imagining a different kind of marriage, you know, and creating something new, building something new. Um, they want it, and yet they're afraid of it because they're afraid right. of what they might have to do. You know, step out and try yeah. something new, or, or you know, be honest and say what's so. Um, but we always remind them, you know. But is this working? <laughs> you, you right. know, the fact that right. you're you're having to come to someone or you know see a counselor or something, it's obviously not working. Right. And so whatever you try, <laughs> you would think would just be an improvement. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's amazing at how paralyzed we get by our mm. fear. Absolutely. And um, I, I, I want to say this too because I'm convinced of this. Uh, we we all want this this marriage that we dream of. And yet, most of the time, we think, well, what that will mean is I'll get this dream spouse that's perfect. (laughs) Right. Well, there is no dream spouse that's perfect Mm -hmm. because we all come to the table with our own brokenness. Uh, But if we could get in our heads that the dream marriage that I want Mm -hmm. is in me. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's in my wife, too, but it's in me. Mm-hmm. And so if I will take on what I need to change about me, my marriage can move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Instead good. of me sitting around waiting on her to change, again, it comes back to that question, what's my role in keeping this in place? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you an example. So the other, uh, a few weeks ago, there was a, an issue in our marriage that I was kind of frustrated with, mm-hmm. and I wanted my wife to change. Okay, and uh, and so I got really focused on her and what she was doing and on her changing, and 
And so I had to coach myself, mm-hmm. and I had to ask myself, okay, Ken, what is your role in keeping this p- problem in place? And what I realized my role was is I was passive. Right. I was not telling her the truth. Mm-hmm. I wasn't being honest with her about uh, a particular issue in our mes- uh, marriage. And so I decided, okay, well, I have the courage mm-hmm. to just tell my wife the truth. Because mm-hmm. that's risky stuff. Mm-hmm. That's very risky when stuff. you're putting it out there because you don't know how your spouse is going to respond. R- right. Exactly true. And uh, and the, and so I just decided one day, okay, when she gets home from work, we're sitting down, we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we did, and I was nervous. I was anxious about all that. Uh, and and I didn't end the conversation. I didn't do all that well in in saying what I needed to say. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, how well I said it wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. What the issue was was that I said it, mm-hmm. and she got it, and 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 it went really well. And as a result of that, our a, a, a key dynamic in our marriage got better. Mm-hmm. That's great. But I had to face me. First, it, it really wasn't about her; it was about me. Right. right. So, how do you coach someone who, let's say, realizes as you did that they're being passive about something and they need to be honest with their spouse about what what is so for them? How do you coach them to do that lovingly and sensitively, particularly if it's something that might be a touchy subject and might hurt the feelings of their spouse? Right. Uh, There are a couple of things around that, Kelly. One is um, we have to distinguish between short-term hurt Mm -hmm. and long-term harm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my marriage is being harmed Mm -hmm. long-term if I keep quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay. My spouse may be hurt Mm short-term, but long-term it's going to it's going to produce health in us right mm-hmm. okay. and so what what so often we we also are afraid of is I, I love my spouse I don't want her to hurt in any way mm-hmm. but short-term hurt is the key to growth right okay and so if I keep being stopped because I'm afraid of some short-term hurt mm-hmm. then long-term I'm harming the marriage relationship. Right. It's just like raising kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's short-term pain they have to experience, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's about their long-term health. Yeah. Right. Well, the same goes in marriage. And so one of the things I think I have to I have to do and I coach people to do is get over my fear of me hurting my spouse mm-hmm. okay. short term. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Now, I'm not going to hurt them physically, mm-hmm. right. but emotionally, they may get their feelings hurt. But the bottom line is, it's all in an attempt to create health long term for our marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and there's still, excuse me, there's still a sensitive delivery. Absolutely, do in doing all this that you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So, uh, so one of the one of the phrases that I like to use is, "I'm not responsible for my wife or how she feels, right? Mm-hmm. But I am responsible to my wife to love her and treat her with respect and kindness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not responsible for, but responsible to. Exactly. That's an important distinction. It's it's a real mm-hmm. important distinction, and so I try to get couple, uh, get a person to 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 see that. Take me back to the original question. I'm lost in my answer. Oh, and I no, need the that's question. okay. I was just you've actually answered it because that's helpful to when you're coaching someone how to say what is so for them to yeah. their spouse, and that. But that's so. You're exactly right. The short term hurt versus the long term health of. Of the relationship, you know, yeah. that's something to, very much to consider. So that's great. One of the other places that I see people get stuck often is they worry way too much about saying it right, mm. and so I just don't think I can say it well or, mm. or or the right words. And and so I encourage people to do two things. One is learn to calm themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm to calm some of that anxiety, whatever they need to do. Uh, a second thing I encourage people to do is, okay, if, you, if you're if you afraid of what you're going to say, sit down and write it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good. good And advice. just write it out so you can get it get it clear. And I don't care if you take the notes in there with mm-hmm. you. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if you go read them your email that you, or the, 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 the document that you just read. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... Doing it right is not as important as doing it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Now, I want to say it as kindly and as compassionately and gently as I can mm-hmm. because I think that demonstrates love. Sure. 
I, I don't do it out of anger or out of reactivity. And so I, I think one of the key things, as you know, I teach around this, but it's, it's learning not to react out of my anxiety, mm-hmm. but to respond out of my guiding principles. Mm. Mm, that's good. And so for me to be clear about, okay, what, what do I value mm-hmm. and what do I think is important and who do I want to be in the world mm-hmm. with everybody, mm-hmm. especially with my spouse, and then, then am I being that person with him or her now? Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. And, and so uh, just that distinction between reacting out of emotion, anxiety, mm-hmm. or responding is the, other, the better choice out of my well-thought-through guiding principles for life. Yeah, that's great. Excellent. And you're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max, and if you are in the greater Houston area, we want you to know that we host a monthly date night called Dinner and a Marriage, and we would love to have you join us. So visit dinnerandamarriage.org to find out more details. Well, we're continuing our conversation with Ken Schumann, and before the break, we were discussing how to manage anxiety in marriage, and so the conversation continues. Um <laughs> Ken, I know this is another big fish question, so we'll just we'll just go with it. But how important is emotional maturity in marriage? Uh, well, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, and I, I first of all, I don't think most people understand emotional maturity, mm-hmm. and I think also that most people think they're more emotionally mature than they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what I believe is is that the the depth of a marriage will only grow to the level of the emotional maturity of both spouses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And typically, we marry people at the same level of emotional maturity as we are. Mm-hmm. They may demonstrate that behavior in completely polar opposite ways that we do. Mm-hmm. So one may be passive and the other aggressive. One may be a controller and the other one is the one that gives in all the time. Mm-hmm. But both are equal at the level of their emotional maturity. And so if if we don't grow, if we don't learn how to manage our anxiety and live based on our guiding principles and live based on developing clear boundaries in our relationships and marriage, then what we end up doing is we keep reacting when our buttons get pushed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And typically, that's what destroys marriages. Our buttons get pushed, mm-hmm. we get stirred up, and we keep reacting over and over again to the same things. And our partner does the same deal, and that becomes their dance. Right. right. And so learning, okay, and by the way, we develop those from our families of origin, right. typically, from experiences in our families of origin. And so then we bring that into the marriage, and what ends up happening is those same things keep getting getting stirred up over and over again. And uh, so our emotional maturity is about learning to be more differentiated. Mm -hmm. It's learning to be uh, more of an individual, more separate without being separated. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a mysterious thing you're bringing up within the context of a covenant marriage. Absolutely. Because we're talking about how do you lean into that individualness and yet – how does that play into actually becoming a healthier, fuller, 
oneness, one flesh. Yeah, that's gr- mysterious. It is. It's very mysterious, and and it's and it's really interesting. Uh, most uh, the people that I read say the only way that two can become one mm-hmm. is there have to be two to begin with. Mm-hmm. And by that, what they mean is uh, we have to be complete in and of ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're touching on – we always joke <laughs> about the Tom Cruise line in exactly. Jerry McGuire. <laughs> you complete me. It's it's a romantic notion. It would be nice if that if we had the capacity to right. complete one another. But, but really, there's only one that can – ultimately complete us. And so right. to this end, I mean, this is why we uh, like to tell young couples or, or, or premarital couples, whatever age they're at, you know, the healthier you can be prior to getting <laughs> literally in bed with someone else, <laughs> right. you know, the more you're going to be able to bring to the ultimate health of your marriage. Absolutely. Uh, I, I believe that completely, and I and and what I believe is is that typically we marry we we are incomplete, and we marry somebody else that's incomplete, right. and we marry someone whose strengths are the things that we're weak in, mm. thinking that because we're tr- drawn and attracted to that, mm-hmm. and then as we get in marriage, those very things that we we were drawn to are the things that repulse us now. Annoy the snot out of us. Yeah, we get annoyed by. So you're exactly right. The more complete I can be as an individual and as a person, the more whole I can be. I Mm -hmm. like that language. Mm -hmm. Then the more wholeness I bring to to the marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, the bottom line is, so, okay, so what if I'm not whole and and I'm already married and here I am stuck? Well, okay, so now grow Mm -hmm. so that you can become more whole Mm -hmm. and you bring more fullness and completeness to the marriage so that then your marriage can be whole. Mm-hmm. But if I'm if I stay broken and he or she stays broken and we come together and we never improve our brokenness, mm-hmm. then we have a broken marriage. Mm-hmm. That's true. Maybe not literally, but at least figuratively. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that we don't complete one another, but we complement one another. Right. And right. we complement one another out of our individuality and out of our uniqueness mm-hmm. and out of me being me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I, I really like in, in some of the readings that, that I've read is we, we can't really love someone until we give them freedom. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's an obligation. Otherwise, it's out of ought to. And so marriage is about me being free, and it's about me being free to be me completely in relationship with someone else who's free to be him or herself completely. And we come together to form a partnership and say, okay, we're going to be free together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where the oneness happens. Mm -hmm. I think we talk a lot about oneness from kind of a Christian perspective Mm -hmm. uh, because of the biblical verse, the two shall become one flesh. Uh, But we rarely, if ever, get to the one flesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what we're doing is is we come in broken and incomplete, and then we fight for domination. Mm. Mm. Right. Okay, who's going to control? Who's going to dominate? Who's going to get their way? Who, who Whose marriage is this going to be? Rather than coming to marriage as two complete individuals mm-hmm. who say, I don't need you to complete me, but you do complement me. And so now together, what can we accomplish and where can we go and, and, and what will we, we be about? And mm-hmm. for me, that's where the wholeness in marriage comes from. Comes well, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. If I'm worried about Brett being a fabulous spouse and I'm not trying to be the fabulous spouse, House, then I don't have anything to bring to the table. And so right. I, I just like that that language of working on your own wholeness so that you can be that person that comes and, you know, loves, right. you, loves your spouse as well as you possibly can. Because the marriages that we have enjoyed watching, whether they've been mentees of ours or, or mentors above us or whatever, or mm-hmm. even our own marriage, are the ones where we've experience and actually been allowed to witness a spouse making the other spouse a better person. Now, you yeah. know what I mean when I say that. Absolutely. I mean, sure. We, you don't make anybody do anything, as you said earlier. Right. But those are the fun marriages to watch is when mm-hmm. um, we can coach each other to be the best that we can be as individuals and as a married couple together. Absolutely. And I, I think what it, and that it means I'm responsible for me, but it also means I don't overfunction. Mm, mm-hmm. So, so I'm responsible for me, but I don't. I'm not responsible for me and her. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just responsible for me. Because I have enough to worry about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a I have plenty job. to do. Yeah, just right. taking care of me. Exactly. For the rest it's a, of my life. It's a lifelong journey. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, we have a tendency. I, I, I have a tendency when I get anxious to be an overfunctioner. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, then I start overfunctioning for my wife. Mm-hmm. Right and and when I do that, when I overfunction, I take away her freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it also gives her the opportunity then to say, "Well, I don't have to do it. He's doing it for me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Rather than her taking responsibility for her role and responsibility in the relationship. And ironically, when you interfere with her freedom, as you were saying, mm-hmm. you're you're messing with the grace that's already been given. If that makes sense, sure. You know, I mean, because Absolutely. our freedom. Ultimately, comes from grace, not from anything we right. earn or accomplish or establish. Absolutely. It's already in place, mm-hmm. and we're 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 messing with an already fixed system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a follower of the way of Jesus, mm-hmm. and I believe Jesus came to give us freedom and liberty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grace, as you were talking about, and so if I take that away from my wife. Mm-hmm. Then, then in essence, I am anti-Christ in her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty wow, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, I've got to give her life, and I've got to give her the freedom that Christ has already given her as a follower of Jesus. Right. And, uh, and, and yeah, exactly. And it's and it's amazing because so often. Especially those of us that are in church life, it surprises me. It surprises me about me how often we take freedom away from people mm-hmm. rather than giving freedom to people. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's about? What, what, it's, it's just yeah, our good, relentless, good question. Selfishness. I mean, you know, it is. Yeah, a kind of relentless. I, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's about our own levels of emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. I think it's about our own levels of anxiety, and and we we want. We want people to be like us mm-hmm. and think like us and believe like us. Mm-hmm. And so then we try to impose that on them right. rather than saying, hey, this is an awesome way of living. Mm-hmm. I believe Jesus came to give us life and to give us life freely and abundantly mm-hmm. and, and all and, and, and that following his way is the way to live rather than saying, I believe that. Now, what do you think about that? Right. I try to cram that into people and force that into people. Well, And what's so fascinating about that is in my continued going over the gospels themselves, you know, I mean, Jesus never manipulated anyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Never. Exactly. Well, and and I believe the reason for that, Brett, is because Jesus was completely emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was differentiated, so he could calmly come and say, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, this is what I'm doing. He would invite people into that would kind of Would you life. like to be a part of this? Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't, then okay, then we move on down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so that same dynamic works in a, in a marriage relationship exactly. of saying, okay, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. Can we do this together? But you get the freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems to me that, that that freedom is one of the big issues. Mm-hmm. Is my spouse free to be him or herself? And there, there seems in most of the marriages that are less than that I know of, one person is trying to dominate and control, mm-hmm. and the other one is kind of passive until they've had enough, and then they fight for domination and control or say, I'm not going to be dominated and controlled anymore. And, and so there's this dance of going back and forth between the two rather than simply saying, you know what, nobody dominates or controls. Right. Mm-hmm. We all live out of our – we each live out of our individuality, out of our freedom, uh, we create boundaries. Mm-hmm. There are limits. There are consequences. Uh, but I'm living the kind of life that I want to live mm-hmm. as me based on my guiding principles. Mm-hmm. And we partner together then as a couple to do that together. Right. And what I hear you saying is you're, you're talking about a healthy marriage that has successfully established a, a, an ongoing foundation of being a safe place. Which marriage Absolutely. should be the safest place on earth for yeah. people that are married, obviously. Exactly right. So give me some practical, tangible tips toward making marriage more and more of a safe place to 
to work this stuff out, you know, as people are getting a little yeah. bit more sophisticated in their understanding of everything from how family systems work to just having the courage and the hope to step into some of these very uncomfortable decisions to step out of a dance that's it hasn't always worked, but it's what we know. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, now you're asking me to go into a world that I'm not comfortable with, even though it's going to bring me greater health and fuller satisfaction and yeah. deeper intimacy. Yeah. Uh, a, a great question. I, I think I think the uh, a couple of simple tips. One is, if I want to be free to be me, then I have to give my spouse permission to be free to be her. Okay. And it – because we're – Within our culture, we're all about criticizing or correcting or fixing or changing other people. Mm -hmm. Well, every person gets to be free to be who they are Mm -hmm. and who they choose to be in life, even if they choose to be different than I would have them to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My wife gets to be exactly who she is. And so if I can remind myself that even if she never changes, Mm -hmm. she has the freedom to be her. Mm And I, and what is that? That's an expression of your unconditional love, acceptance of yeah, her. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It means, yeah, I, I love you just the way you are. Mm-hmm. I love you being you mm-hmm. because I want you to love me being me. Mm-hmm. And and so the more I can I can give up needing her to be different, mm-hmm. then the more grace I can give her and the safer the place comes so that then she feels safe enough to be herself mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, oh, I can't say this or I can't do that. It will disappoint him or he won't like it or it, it, it will make him mad or whatever. And so I think that's a, that's a key place. And then uh, another key thing that goes hand in glove with that is to give up our expectations. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a big one. That's huge. I mean, we we <laughs> come into contact with yeah. that on a daily basis yeah. with couples. Mm-hmm. Uh, one author that I love put it this way: if if you want people to distance from you, so let's put it in the in the language of a spouse. If you want your spouse to distance from you, mm-hmm. then just increase your expectations of him or her. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do, and yeah. they will distance. That Good. is so huge. Good quote. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the picture of couples that we sit with, is that, that picture right there. Yeah. Such high expectations. You're not meeting my yeah. needs. You're not doing what I expected a spouse to do, and, and I'm just so disappointed. And you right. just see that person just pulling, pulling, pulling further away. Right. Yeah. And so that seems overwhelming. Uh, people often give me tons of pushback on that and say, well, well, what do you do then? Right. And I, I like this language. I have hopes for my marriage, but I don't have expectations. Right. There's a difference between a hope and an expectation. Mm-hmm. And so just that simple language uh, helps me. But the other thing that helps me is I'm not responsible for my wife. Mm-hmm. I cannot change her. Mm -hmm. So to have expectations that she will change is beyond my control, and it's only going to lead to anger and frustration. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where anger comes from is when my expectations don't get met. That's Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. And so we have tons of anger in the relationship because I have expectations and they're not being met. So what if I gave up those expectations and I have hope for a a beautiful marriage and I focus not on him or her but on me? Mm -hmm. And I say, okay – I do have expectations of me, and that is that I'm going to grow in my own emotional maturity. I'm going to elevate my capacity to be in intimate relationship by me growing and take responsibility for my own life. Right. And for me, it, it all keeps coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Am I responsible for me, and am I taking responsibility? Because as long as I keep looking out there, mm-hmm. I'm not taking responsibility. Yeah. I have a question for you. You know, The three of us – talking right now i mean we our hope is all grounded in the security of being under the pavilion of god's sovereignty but for a couple that does not believe that or understand that mm-hmm. how do you give somebody at least temporary hope to, as they might hopefully move toward a, a grander transformative understanding of where hope comes from. Do you understand the question? Not completely. I guess what I'm saying is if you don't believe that 
God is for your marriage, you know, and that he yeah. he is the one that can allow you to let your spouse be your spouse and not control things and not manipulate things. Right. As a couple that you're dealing with or we're dealing with mm-hmm. has no theological reference of that. Gotcha. How do you take baby steps yeah. with them to help them move toward a greater hope? Yeah, I um I think I would do it in a, in a couple of ways. I, I, I think one of the things that I'm finding over and over again that a lot of people have either turned their back on God or do not believe in God any longer mm-hmm. is because they have a what I believe is a false understanding and view of God. Mm-hmm. And rather than God being a God who is for freedom mm-hmm. and who is for you being fully self-expressed, we we perceive, think, have heard preached right. a God that wants to put you in a box and mold you. And 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 so one of the things that, that I first try to help uh, couples understand and realize would be to say, you know what, I, I believe I, the God that you say you disbelieve in, I disbelieve in that God also. <laughs> right, yeah, us uh, too. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't believe in that God either. I, I believe God is for us mm-hmm. and and that God is a God of love and that God is a God of freedom and who is life-giving mm-hmm. and liberating. Mm-hmm. Well and so and so based on that premise then I then it's really easy for me to say okay if I'm going to emulate the the God who I believe created me then I'm going to be life-giving mm-hmm. to my spouse and I'm going to be liberating to my spouse mm-hmm. not controlling and rigid and uh and that's where our hope comes from that, yeah, this can be bigger and it can be better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fascinating that nobody, regardless of what kind of temperament they have, nobody wants to be micromanaged. So it's, right. it's, it's 100% counterproductive to exactly. try to micromanage or macromanage anyone right. really mm-hmm. right. in relationships. <laughs> right. Which ultimately, micromanaging, controlling, uh, it's all about fear. Yeah. And so one of the things that I coach people to think about is to recognize anxiety when it happens. What does it feel like? For me, it starts as a knot in my gut. Mm-hmm. So every time I get a knot, I know I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. And all Like, ang- here we go, going on a ride now. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. And I get pushback on this, people, but the bottom line, it's about a fear. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ask people the question, ask yourself the question, what am I threatened by mm-hmm. in this moment? Mm-hmm. And if I can go deep within myself and discover what it is that I'm being threatened by, mm-hmm. then it helps me understand myself better, and it may help me be less reactive with my spouse. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is sometimes that takes a lot of work yeah. mm-hmm. to go deep. People don't guy, know how to do it. Yeah, yeah because we talk we, with people, and, and, and I'm thinking of a conversation I just had with a friend of mine yesterday, and the word fear and anxiety, she just completely pushes back that idea. Like, I'm right. not fearful of that. Right. I have no anxiety about that. Right. I'm just mad about it. Right. You know, or whatever. Right. You know. right. And we I don't want to admit. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it. Uh, we, we just don't want to admit that we have any fear or anxiety at all. Right. Even when we feel it in the gut or whatever. Absolutely, uh, yeah, and and it's it's interesting that we are unwilling to face that mm-hmm. about ourselves, and so for me, that's that's the beginning place of self discovery, mm-hmm. is to be able to be willing to say. There's anxious, mm-hmm. anxiousness, anxiety at the depth of this. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is there is a sense of threat mm-hmm. because my anger is, is my defense mechanism to the threat that I perceive. Right. Right. Now, right. sometimes it's a perception and it's not a real threat, mm-hmm. and sometimes it is a real threat. And, and so one of the first questions is, okay, what am I threatened by here? And then the second question is, is it a real threat? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So do I need to protect myself or no, it's not really a real threat. There there's something at play here and and it's about me, not about them. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Um 
I, as you know, I'm a professor, and I was teaching my seminary class uh, a couple of semesters ago. And one of the things I, I love is dialogue and give and take mm-hmm. and push back. And so my classes are built around that. And I was in a class. We were talking about a particular subject, and one of my students uh, went went kind of beyond the line of give and take and dialogue, and he began to argue with me. <laughs> and I could tell he was getting irritated, mm-hmm. and his emotions were rising. He was anxious mm-hmm. about something, mm-hmm. and he began to argue with me. Well, had I, uh, had I been completely calm and everything gone well and my own buttons not been pushed, right. everything would have been fine, <laughs> except he began to stir up my own buttons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so I got angry in response, and I began to debate him mm-hmm. in the classroom. Well, fortunately, I caught myself just really quickly within two or three or four minutes, and I stopped and I backed out of the situation, and we went on with the class. Mm-hmm. But in my drive home uh, from the seminary to my house, about 30 minutes. And so on my drive home, I asked myself the question, what was I threatened by? Right. Mm-hmm. What was that? Because it, you know, that doesn't seem like a threat. How yeah. is that a threat? Mm-hmm. And 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 I discovered that what what it was, it goes back to my family of origin and it goes back to me being dominated and not having my voice heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the threat was my voice is not being heard here. And by golly, I made a vow a long time ago that my voice was going to be heard. Yes, yeah. right. And one way or another, exactly. <laughs> and and so what happened was I got angry, mm-hmm. but the reality was it was about a fear, mm-hmm. and it was the fear of my voice not being heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as I dealt with that, I was able to see, okay, that's a button I've got that gets pushed all the time. Right. And so how can I manage? that, the next time it gets pushed, can I be more aware of that? Can I be calmer in the midst of it? Mm-hmm. And so then the next week, I was able to go back to class and tell my class what I had experienced, mm-hmm. and it became a learning point oh, for fantastic. us, for me to share with them, hey, this is what I discovered, and this is what I learned about my own emotional maturity. Yeah, wow. that experiential thing, there's nothing like that. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Well, Ken, this has been a fantastic conversation Absolutely. and just so illuminating, and I would like to just have a standing uh, invitation to you anytime you want to come on the podcast. We know we could go down a lot of gr- yeah. Yeah. important roads with I you. I think this is going to be an episode that I'm going to bookmark and just listen to over and over again because it has such rich uh, information in it. But thank you so much for joining us today. You'd be Absolutely. great. We really appreciate your Absolutely. Insight. It's been fun being here. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out homeencouragement.org or you can email us at thehursts at homeencouragement.org. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we would also love it if you would rate this podcast on iTunes. Subscribe. It's free. And this will help us build our audience, which will allow us to encourage more couples. Well, until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.